kind of, I get kind of caught up in myself sometimes. I don't know if I'm the only one that does that. I get kind of caught up in myself sometimes and what my needs are and what my desires are and what my hopes are and what my vision is and everything. Sometimes I forget. It's still all about him. And so to start this new year off, how many of us do that end of the year evaluation, get yourself ready for your new year? You know, I'm going to the gym three times a week. That drops to two times a week and then once a week and then once a month. Or, uh, you know what, I'm going to give this up. I'm going to give this soda up, or I'm going to give this up, or I'm going to do that. But you know what? Sometimes those things, we put it so far out there that we just set ourselves up to fail. Now, I happen to be fortunate enough to have a wife that kind of brings all of that in for me. You know, she'd be like, come on, be real. You know, you are not going to give up cheesecake. You know, I'm like, sure ain't. (laughs) So it's like, but then when it comes to our spiritual review, I, I do this every year and I beat myself up all the time because I always feel like there's something better, there's something different that I could do. I didn't do that. <laughs> there's something different that I could do that could probably bring more glory to God, probably bring more glory to the church, probably relieve somebody else that I know is going through it. But it still comes down to relying on Him. Amen. And so I chose this subject, the better choice. Because most progressive-minded people are always looking for the bigger, better deal. Y'all ever heard that before, the BBD? You know, we're always looking for that bigger, better deal. The bigger, better deal don't get no bigger or no better than Jesus Christ, amen? The bigger, better deal can't provide for you the way that Jesus Christ does or will continue to do. And so um, we sometimes expect people to know very basic and fundamental stuff, like to put God first in your life, Amen. We all know that, but do we all do it? There are times. And that's just being real. And when we look at when there are times, and when we go to the word um, that I'm getting into today about this ruler, we look at him and say, man, he had that opportunity. How many times have I passed up on that opportunity? Amen. So let's just get into this and uh, see what God has to say. Amen. All right. See, that's why I did the paperwork thing. (laughs) I don't trust this thing for nothing no more. (laughs) Okay. My uh, scriptural text is going to be coming out of Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through a whole lot more. Um, And I'm just going to keep it plain, simple, so that we are all on the same page, so that we can get started this new year on a good foot. You know, yeah, I remember James Brown getting on the good foot. We are starting on the good foot this morning. Amen. So here we go. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You should not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to them, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? 
when I first read this, I'm kind of thinking the way that I feel like everybody else is thinking in here. You know, um, wealth, power, position. A lot of us look at that as being, you know, the comfortable life. You know, I'm just happy when our bills is paid every month. My wife don't got those worry lines on her forehead. I'm happy with that. But that's the way that I've always lived my life. And I have been a whole lot more reliant on Christ for a lot of things than probably most people would have to be. And so I'm looking at this no longer from the material standpoint, but let's look at the spiritual standpoint. Number one, this guy right here, he already had it going on. He was rich, he had position, he had power, but he's listening to this man, and this man said something that just altered his whole sense of who he was because he's no longer concerned about what he has he's more concerned about where he's going is there anybody else in here that's concerned about where they're going i am concerned about where i'm going daily because each and every single day we make decisions sometimes that puts us on that other side i don't know about y'all but some people frustrate me they frustrate me to the point that i have to think about what it is that i'm going to say before i say it right or am I the only one in here that has to go through all of that? And then when we look, when we break this whole scripture down the way that God broke it down for me when I was reading it, and I think that it is so um, valuable to this body to come to a greater understanding of where do I truly stand spiritually? What choices do I make that stands out for him and who he is and how I am to represent him in to the world. Does that make sense to everybody in here? It's starting to make a little bit of sense to me as I go along. So the guy asked Jesus, he says, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? Now, if this man really knew who Jesus was, he wouldn't have been asking him, what do I got to do? He would have been on his knees. Oh, Lord, you're the one that I need to know to be able to do what's necessary for me to inherit eternal life. Now, my question to the church, I mean, the church as a whole is, how important is eternal life to us? That's something that's not very much talked about, if you think about it. I mean, most people really don't care about what happens when they leave here. We don't preach that no more, you know, because then we're labeled, you know, the fire and brimstone preacher. Oh, yeah, everybody's going to hell because everybody sins and all of that. No, it's not about whether you're going to make it to heaven or to hell. It's about you being concerned about your eternity and you making choices to ensure that eternity would be pleasant. Because what is time to us right now? Just a drop in the bucket. That's what time is to us right now. Now, he really didn't know who Jesus was because he knew he was righteous. Right? He really didn't know the kind of person he was. You ever had one of those sermons that you listen to that just get you all fired up? That got you, oh yeah, I'm getting ready to go out here and I'm getting ready to do some things and I'm getting ready to allow God to do in me and you get fired up. Well, evidently this young man heard something that he needed to hear that would make him think deep enough about himself to know that he was lacking something to be able to make that leap. Now for me, it takes a lot. It, it takes a lot for me to get down into myself and to really consider where I'm at. And so he goes on and he 
first says, I need to know what's going on with eternal life. I love Jesus' reply to him. He said, you know the commandments. Now, am I the only one that noticed all the commandments that Jesus gave him was dealing with man and not God? Am I the only one that noticed that? We all notice that, right? So I can hit on this. How do you treat your fellow man? We're all Christians in here, amen? How do we treat our fellow man? And how often do we have to correct ourselves on it? I have to correct myself. And that's me being honest again. So when he said that, this man, he knew, Jesus knew before he asked him the question. He knew he knew the commandments. Why? Because he was a ruler, which means that he was educated. And he knew this is where his weakness lied. Now me, through reading this, my understanding was, that this was a person that did what he was supposed to do. Not following his heart and what he should be doing. Am I making sense? And so here's my question. If he knew what he was supposed to be doing, you ever had a situation where you're just doing what you're supposed to do? How many people go to work? I do just enough that I need to do to keep my job. How many of, I, how many of us husbands... Do just enough to keep her quiet. Yeah, I'm going to jump on the fellas because my wife is in here. I ain't even going to go there. (laughs) Right? How many of us women know just how to tweak that button just enough to make him feel like I'm falling short? You know, I used to think for the longest time, I am the greatest husband in the world. I go to work, I come home, I spend time with the kids, I help the wife out every now and again until I talk to my wife. Then I come to realize that I fall short in a lot of areas. Yes, I go to work. I'm supposed to. I'm not doing no more than what I am supposed to do, right? And so if I'm not doing every, if I'm only doing what I am supposed to do, where's my heart in all of this? You know, if I just spend time with the kids when my wife tells me to spend time with the kids, if I just do what it is that I need to do to get past this day, then I don't know where my obligation because of my position ends and where the heart and who I am begins. Am I making sense to everybody in here? If I don't know where I start or I don't know who I am in that relationship, then that relationship is going to suffer. I don't know about y'all, but there have been many times in my relationship with Christ, it has suffered because I really didn't know where I stood in that relationship with Christ. Number one, because I didn't know how to ask the right questions. So if you don't know how to ask the right questions, you're not going to get the answers that you need to be walking right. Am I making sense? Wow, it's making a lot of sense. I think I am way, way ahead of you, Pastor Ben. Maybe I should go next. Go next. Go next. Go next. Wait. Back. (laughs) There we are. Those who who would inherit eternal life They must apply themselves to Jesus Christ as master. He is our teaching master and our ruling master. Told you I got a little bit ahead of you, Pastor Ben. Our teaching master and our ruling master. How many of us claim Jesus Christ as our master? Raise your hand. 
right? How many of us in here knowing that he is a great teacher? In the very beginning of this, how did this guy greet Jesus? He, he greeted him as good teacher. Now, in the culture of that day, Jewish people did not call somebody good. Only God was good. Because in their culture, good meant sinless. And that's why Jesus replied to him that way in saying that, why do you call me good? And he was opening up a door, and he was saying to this guy, you're so close. You are so close. If you would call on me the way that you need to call on me right now, all of your questions are going to be answered. But the guy fell just short of what he needed to do. So Jesus didn't ask him that question just willy-nilly to say, well, you know, is there a reason why you're doing this? Or was he denying his deity? I don't think so. I think he was giving this young man the opportunity to recognize him, much like Peter recognized who Jesus was. And what did Jesus say to him? Man didn't reveal this to you. Right? How many of us look to man for confirmation in things that we do? Right? Attaboy, Pastor Earl. You really put it down today. Attaboy, Pastor Earl. Y'all really served a lot of people today. Attaboy, mm-mm, keep it. Because it's never really about Pastor Earl. It's never really about what it is that I'm able to accomplish it's how much of his face is being seen in what it is that we do. Amen? Next slide. Beep. So, we're learning that there is no learning or earning your way into heaven. Y'all remember Nicodemus? Does everybody know who Nicodemus was? He goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I need to know some things. And Jesus threw it down on him and he left more confused than it was that he went in. Why? Because there's no learning your way into heaven. You could read all the books. You could do all the ministries that you can get yourself involved in. You could be on your knees night and day asking God to help you and to strengthen you, to move you along. But you cannot and will not be able to comprehend the mysteries of God through trying to work your way through it. This guy, look how he approached Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And he's not the only one that uses that word I a lot. I use the word I a lot. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all use the word I a lot. And that I just sets us apart from the he that is necessary, the necessary ingredient to give us what it is that we need to move on. Amen? When Jesus broke down these commands, next. (laughs) Yep, I already got the good part. Next. I'm going to learn how to work this stuff. Those of us that accept Jesus Christ as master must believe he has a divine purpose and a divine goodness as well. How many of us know Jesus has a divine, had a divine purpose when he was on this earth? How many of us still believe that he's working on that divine purpose for us even now in heaven? Then I got to ask you how many of us live it? 
See, because that divine purpose is not for us to be exalted, but for him to be exalted. And a lot of times, I kind of lose focus on that. And I always keep things in in my realm. I would love to say we kind of lose focus on that. But each of us has our strengths and we have our weaknesses and we are a work in process. We all have that going on. And it's like, but at what point do we come together and do we do the work that is necessary for God to be God just so that the world would know who he is enough for there to be change? The better choice for me would be to trust God in everything, in the way that I communicate with people, in the way that I work my job, in the way that I am a neighbor, in the way that I am a husband, in the way that I am a father, in the way that I am a friend, in all of these things, count on him. Now, most people would say that's the easy way out. It ain't easy. Anybody in here that puts a true effort into allowing him to be first, no, it's not easy. And it's okay. You know why? Because he has a divine goodness. How many of us has ever felt his mercy when we do something really, really stupid? Right? I mean, I do some really, really stupid stuff. Sometimes this 31 years that this woman has put up with me, I thank God every night. Because sometimes when I look at myself and I see the things that I have done and I see the grace that she has on me and I think, wow, I have a loving God that have a desire for me to grow in him, to be used by him. And she makes me look so good. Now, she makes me look so good, but he makes me look even better. Right? When you look at this, there's two people represented here, Jesus Christ and my wife. I'm not doing this to suck up to her or nothing like that, but I could be, but I'm not. I'm serious. I do this on a relational level because I want us to stay in a relational stance, all right? Relationally, the more that I love Christ, the more that I can love others, the more, and it all starts where? Where does it start? Thank you. Who's at home? Another Renee. Figures. (laughs) You know, it all starts there. If you can't love those that you are closest to, if you can't get through what it is. Now, this divine goodness, is, it's different than just a regular goodness. It's different than just a regular relationship. This divine goodness, it crosses all borders. I mean, like when we do the really stupid stuff that get on your nerves and you're just able to shine it on and walk away without hurting my feelings, that's a good thing. When we do the outrageous things that make us you know, uh, a little bit less bearable, then you know what? Uh, I'm going to love you through this. Not only that, but when I correct you, I'm not going to do it in a way that's going to break you down. I'm going to do it in a way that's going to build you up. Amen? How many of us know that you have to be built up rather than tore down? You know, if you look at the way some 
people's philosophy is in coaching. Some coaches say, we got to break you all the way down and then build you up. And then other coaches would say, you know what? You are good in this area. We just need to work on this area. It is a lot easier to get somebody to work on this area and know that there are good areas in them. Amen. And I just feel every time I go in with Jesus and come out, I come out built up. Amen. Next slide. So what is the best way for us to check our spiritual state? We have to ask ourselves, how do we stand before Christ? And how do we stand before our fellow man? I'm going to read another thing in, in, in uh, Luke chapter 18. Yep, I was all the way through this chapter. Starting in verse 9. Luke 18 verse 9 read like this. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. There have been times that I've compared my relationship with Christ with others' relationship with Christ. Y'all look at me like I just swallowed a, a mouse or something. How many of us know the grass ain't greener on the other side? It just looked like it. The grass is never greener on the other side. When you are on the outside looking in, do you know the cost that somebody paid to do that? It's like, I used to watch some people driving those Cadillacs down the street and say, man, I wish I could have a Cadillac till I find out what that bill was. I used to take my kids around and we drive around neighborhoods at Christmas time and look at all the Christmas lights and I try to steal their ideas and mine come out like ghetto jacked. Remember that star I tried to make? It was crazy. I tried to make a, a star of David or whatever, and it was lopsided and crooked. And I was so proud of that star. But it was my star. And I did not take it down until Renee said, your, your, your star is jank, baby. You're going to have to do some realignment. Right? When we used to drive through those neighborhoods, I used to imagine being able to provide for my wife in that way. And for my children, I used to think, man, these people got it made. I've always worked far out, and I'd see a house in the distance or something like that, and how big it is, and how much room they probably have so that, you know, they could just kick all their kids down in the cellar and, you know. 
Yeah, not the basement, the cellar. You want to get them far away. I told you I'm selfish. I want to spend all my time with mine. So it's like when we start that comparison thing, we always look at somebody just a little bit worse than we are. Yeah, I might still cuss, but you still drink. Now. Or, I might still drink, but you still smoke. Or, well, how many times you done lied today? There's always something that we could do when we get home and we close our door to excuse the sin that we allow to stay with us because of what we see in somebody else. In those gut check moments, whenever I could see myself imagining a way not to feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, by comparing it to somebody else, I know something is really, really wrong. And when I examine myself and what my motives are behind that, it's not to build myself up. It's not to try to find a way to help somebody else. It's a way for me to justify the distance that I personally put between myself and Christ to not allow his authority to rule and to reign in my life. You know, we pray for revival. We pray for God's signs, wonders, and miracles. And we pray for all kinds of different things to happen. But are, is our hearts ready for that? You know, we talk about this young man who walked away from Jesus because he didn't want to come up off of his money or the lifestyle that he was used to living. But how many of us reject Jesus in different areas of our lifestyle and walk away? How many of us do that today? I could tell you how many of us do it. 90%. Because they say only 10% of the people do 100% of the work in the church. Now, if I love you, if I believe in what it is that you're doing, if I want to support you, then I am going to put my all into that. I'm not just going to give to where I'm comfortable. Sometimes you got to make a sacrifice. Sometimes it's going to take you out of your comfort zone. Sometimes it's going to make you feel like you're in a place that you're not very comfortable. But that's okay because God got you in that. We look for justification within ourselves when we should be looking for God's righteousness. We look for justification in ourselves when we should be looking at the way that God is looking at us and his justification. How bad did this guy feel? If you look in the book of Mark in his account of, 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 of uh, this event, you will find that Mark said that Jesus felt sad for him when he felt sad. So here we are again seeing the compassion that our Lord has for us and the emotional luggage that we carry affecting even him enough to love us enough and to love us through. But you know what the most amazing thing is to me? The word, the word says that he left and he was sad, but it doesn't say Jesus called after him. Jesus didn't say, oh, son, come here, here, let me clean this up for you. Oh, you got a little boo-boo now here. Let me scrub that. Let me scrub this little dirt off your forehead and let me kiss it and make it better. Nope. He said, it's your decision. It's your choice. I love you, but I love you enough to love you from a distance. 
There are so many people that think that they're God's gift. You don't understand. I'm a pastor. You don't understand. I run this. You don't understand. I Let's not get caught up in what's up here. Let's begin to understand what's in the word. Because the more understanding that we have of the word, the greater we are at being the hands of the feet in the ministry. It don't matter how much you do. I mean, this guy walks up to Jesus with every intent on learning what is necessary for his eternity to be right. Jesus is sitting right there with the answer. Actually, Jesus is the answer. But his choice was to walk away. The thing that gets to me most is when I put myself in a position where I don't have a choice. You ever use that excuse in life? I really didn't have no choice. Yes, you do. I didn't have a choice in becoming a drug addict because that's what I saw all my life. Mm -mm. You weren't born addicted, and even those that are born addicted, you get your opportunity to get yourself right. It still comes down to a choice. I didn't understand what the consequences was going to be from this. Now I changed my mind. No, you made the choice. I didn't know when we went in that store that he was going to rob it. I didn't know if I would have made that choice. When we make our choice, it's ours. And we have to deal with the consequences of those choices. It's like they say, put your big boy pants on because you're on your way for a ride. And when you put your big boy pants on, you may as well put some shoes on with it because it's going to be a whole lot of stuff up under your feet that's kind of slimy. And you're not going to like the results of it. But then when you make the right kind of choices and you're floating on that cloud and everything is all sunshiny and uh, the rainbows are showing and you just think that the world is just great and everything... Nine out of ten times, it comes out of getting outside of yourself. The most joy that I have ever experienced in life is when I know that I have made a difference in someone else's quality of life. Because that makes a difference. The word even says it, you know, don't just pray for a brother, do for a brother. You can't always just say the answer is prayer because there are tangible needs that need to be met. And we are one of those kinds of churches where we do a lot to meet those tangible needs. Fortunately, I am one of those that are very active in that. And I look around amongst the congregation and I try to see amongst the congregation how many of us are truly committed to that because I'm looking at this whole situation when Jesus said, you still lack one thing. You still lack this one thing. 
I'm not the center of your life. God is not the center of your life. The per- the purpose or the thing that you are looking for in eternal life is not the center of your life. Your wealth, your riches, and your way of life is the center of your life. You have to make a choice to get, uh, move that out of the middle and put what needs to be in the center of your life, which for us is Jesus Christ, and then move forward from there. Because he said, go and do all of this. And then he said, then come follow me. So he's given him the opportunity to walk away and to think about this. But evidently, dude didn't even want, it wasn't even a second thought for him. He sadly walked away. And the words, because he had great wealth, isn't even something that stuck in my head. Because that was understood when he came in. The thing that stuck in my head was that he sadly walked away. The worst thing that could happen to a person is to live without hope or purpose. To be a shell. It takes a lot more courage to live a life not knowing what's going to happen when you leave here than it does being sure of what's going to happen when you leave here be it that you choose to be on one side or the other. But how important is it to us as Christians that people understand that there is an eternity and there is a choice that must be made in that eternity for us, for you as an individual. So this other slide, going all the way to the last, yeah, yeah. How do we stand before Christ? is one of the other best ways. Are you writing these down? Yeah, y'all should write these down. And look at this, every morning, I do this now. What's the best way for us to check our spiritual state? Ask myself, how do I stand before Christ? How do I stand before my fellow man? How do I stand before the world? Why is the world so important? Just in this past year or so, we've learned that God is bigger than South and Broadway. Why is it important on how I stand before my fellow man? If I am a representative of Christ, and if I'm representing him in an unfavorable light, how are other people going to look at him? How do I stand before Christ? Only he is truth. Only his love conquers all. If we consider those three things each morning before we leave our house, I guarantee you a good day. You can be guaranteed to have a great day because everything else that's going on around you will not affect you. Because you start day the day with a purpose. If I wake up each morning and I say, God, I'm going to stand before you without fear, with the boldness, and with the love like nobody else on this earth. If you say, God, just give me the strength to be a light for, for my fellow man, to allow your glory to shine through me, in a way that's going to be uplifting 
and well-received. Notice that I said well-received because a lot of us get a little bit up over ourselves. And finally, God, I never really had a concern for the world. I never really considered the whole picture. How many of us like to stay in our little area? Well, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But I have a, seri- I have a major concern for the rest of the world now. You know, we, we um, help missionaries, and um, Renee has these missionary stickers that's on the refrigerator, and um, my daughter's always been interested in... Um, Anna Steinitz was our first missionary person that we really just got hung up on where oh, we was praying night and day for this girl. And so now I'm looking at the world view and the world picture. How many of us know we're living in the end days? So the word is going to pass throughout the world at some point because we know that's part of it. Consider those three things each and every morning before you leave out of your house and you're guaranteed a good day. Amen? Yes. I'm not going to talk you guys to death. Can we stand up, please? God, you are amazing in who you are and the things that you do. Not only are you to be exalted, not only are you to be lifted up, not only are you to be glorified, but you are to be who you've always been. King in our hearts, king in our minds. But Lord, making the better choice for us is not easy all the time. And making the better choice, Lord God, sometimes costs us things that we're not fully ready or capable of coming up off of yet. Not hiding behind the grace of the cross. Not hiding behind the excuses that we've had all of our lives. But to come to you humbly seeking the things that will make us better for your sake for your glory and for your name. We pray even now, Lord God, that you would give us a sense of direction and a boldness to move forward in you. We pray right now, Lord God, that you would give us a greater understanding of the cost of the decisions that we make in not following you. We pray right now, Lord God, a greater understanding of your word which would carry us through any storm that would come up against us. I just want to thank you right now, Lord God, that you would put me in a body of believers, Lord God, that loves to serve you, that looks out for the poor, that goes to the hospitals, that visits the prisons, that you, oh God, through your mercy and through your grace has always shown, Lord God, that you are with us. And with you being with us, there is nothing or no one that could stand between us. You are the mighty conqueror and you are our king and you are to be glorified. If you're here today and you want to start the year out right and making better choices, giving God glory and everything, and we're not just talking about the physical thing. Oh, I need to drop 10 pounds. No, 
If you need God to help lift some of the spiritual weight that's been put on, that you've taken on your own shoulders, I want you to come down for him. I want us to do this together. If you've been struggling with some choices that you have to make in relationships that you have, with family, with old acquaintances, I want you to come on down so that God can relieve you of that. If you've been struggling with rejection and feeling and, and loneliness and depression, I want you to come on down because God is ready to separate us from those things. If you are here tonight and you just feel overworked in the ministry and you feel like there's nobody that's got your back or in your corner, yep, you need to come on down too. And if you're here and you just want to be better in him, and you just want him to be glorified even more. If you have a family member that needs to see his light shine through you. Because they're the ones that see it the most. And you need to come on down. This is our day. To make better choices. For ourselves. And for the glory of the kingdom. If you want to quietly slip out today, let's just send you off with a blessing. Lord, you are great. You are greatly to be praised. You are worthy of all the glory. I just pray right now as we depart that you would bless the rest of this day, the rest of this year. That you, oh God, would through your majesty allow, Lord God, your light to shine in each and every individual that has attended this morning and that you would bless those households. Just be glorified in us as we are in you. In Jesus' precious holy name I pray. Amen and amen.